With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. A council on the future of education. Fire, frustration, and discord are burning in every city. Ah, welcome back, everybody. This is Dr. Rob Furman on the Council on the Future of Education. Our podcast goes out twice a week, every Monday and Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, I've got a good one here for you today, and um, it's one that's near and dear to my heart. And I've got a, a guest on with us. Her name is Anya Green. She's the Content Development Manager at Mango Languages, graduated with an MA in Applied Linguistics and Translation from Leipzig German University in Germany. Uh, she has 14 years under her belt as a linguist expert. The last nine have been spent with Mango Languages, where she leads teams of linguists and subject matter experts in the creation of learning content, development of new tools and features, and administration of new and innovative language instruction models. Uh, if you want to check out Mango, and uh, again, I'm going to give on you hopefully some surprises here in our in our interview. But if you want to go to Mango Languages, uh, check it out at MangoLanguages.com. They're also on Facebook at Facebook.com/MangoLanguages, and Twitter is at MangoLanguages.com. Uh, let's say hello. How are you doing, Anya? Very well. How are you, Dr. Rob? Thank you for having me. A- absolutely, and. Um, we, we have some interesting uh, questions lined up for you today, Anya, but uh, I, I want to let you know uh, before we get into these that um, some of this is near and dear to my heart, so I'll explain that as we go. But uh, for right now, I just wanted to give you that little teaser to let you know that uh, there, there's some things in here that, that I can't wait to get to. But um, nice. let's, let, let, let's sort of start at the very beginning here, foreign language and... and um, I, I like I said, there, there's there's some there's some parts to this that that I wholeheartedly uh, believe in, and yet it seems like to some degree foreign language is sort of being pushed aside in a lot of curriculums. And uh, you know, with with the way technology is running, you, there's translation services out there. There's uh, I've got an app on my cell phone that I could talk into it that'll translate it for the person in real time. There's all sorts of stuff out there. But, uh, you know, in, in your opinion, and you obviously being the expert on this, um, I have my opinions, but I'd like to hear yours. Why is it still important for students to learn a variety of languages? So I think my answer is not going to come as a surprise to you, right? Uh, those tools are fantastic. They bring cultures and countries together, and that's something absolutely that needs to be encouraged. But there are still needs for foreign language instruction in American schools. You know, we have an estimated 6,000 or even more languages that are spoken in the world. 25% of the world's countries recognize two or more official languages. And there are more multilingual individuals in the world than monolinguals. You know, we see economic trends 
leaning into those directions more and more toward global collaboration. And because our world is more connected than ever, and we are easily able to build those relationships across uh, countries and cultures, we have additional needs that arise from that. So this trend requires a workforce that can keep up with that, that can function in that type of world. You know, so we need someone that can tap into um, those types of diversified business opportunities. We need strong up communicators, global citizens that have this awareness for multifaceted cultural and social implications that this brings with it. You know, understanding cultural norms and etiquettes and knowing how to earn your respect um, in, in the circle of business partners that you might be working with or working effectively on international teams. And not to mention that people that have fluency in more than one language benefit from improved cognitive function, regardless of whether they're in a monolingual or multilingual environment. You know, that's problem solving, better attention control, um, being more observant, exhibiting better decision-making skills. All of those are very valuable in the workplace, even if it is a monolingual one. So there is definitely an incentive for parents, for educators, for policymakers to support proficiency in more than one language, yes. Well, this is going to be a hard interview because you pretty much took everything I wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to say people have a tendency to forget that, he, especially here in America, you could go from state to state to state speaking English. You go yeah. over to Europe where a lot of my relatives are, and you go to about the same distance as it would be from Pennsylvania to Florida, and you're talking a different language. Then you go Absolutely. go another never several miles, and you're in a different language. So to the Europeans, like I know my cousins over there, they speak two and three languages fluently because if you cross the border, you're in another language zone. We are sort right. of, uh, we're, we don't have that benefit, and I, and I thoroughly believe it's a benefit. Uh, we don't have that benefit here in America because we could be traveling for days and days and days and not run into uh, another area's country state that has another language. And then you also hit the obvious one to me is uh, the idea that, being in a business. A friend of mine uh, works here in Pittsburgh, and uh, she is one of five people on her team, and she's the only one in the States uh, because mm. they, projects and businesses and all of those things are now done virtually and done through video conferencing and all those type of things. And when you have people uh, using other languages, it's obviously you're going to be the better candidate to get a job if you are one of those people that have uh, those experiences, and of course, the, the the just the idea of stretching your mind and your brain a bit to be able to uh, experience that. Just like I'm, I'm a band director, so I'd relate a lot back to music. You know, when you learn it, when you learn a new language in music, it's the same type of higher cognitive uh, draw that we're using. Yep. So, all right, you and I are on the same boat. Fine. <laughs> Wonderful. I guess, I guess we're not going to be arguing, but yeah. <laughs> all right, so. So you know, let's let's talk about how is technology going to be able to help all of these students. Uh, I think we both agree we want them to learn languages. Um, so so what are some of the things out there now that we could use to help these kids uh, learn not just a second language but multiple languages? 
Right. So I think, first of all, we have to realize where technology already is today, right? As parents, as educators, we already know what studies are now confirming, which is that a significant percentage of kids are using mobile devices anyway. So teachers have to use this to their advantage, and not just in language instruction, but in general, which I know you're a big proponent of. But, um, you know, there are ways we can engage kids specifically with language instruction, and we can instruct more effectively, we can buy ourselves time in the classroom as, as educators and just rally our um, administrators and the states and districts that we work in to push toward those positive trends as well. And those are already underway, so that's good news. There are definitely positive trends going on. There are um, districts and schools around the country that are adopting policies to allow and encourage even the use of mobile devices in the classroom. So that's all going in a positive direction, right? Let me me pause you there for one second. Um, I'm going to tell you a a little story that we have going on here. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm an elementary principal, a K-4 principal. When I started here, we actually had foreign language all the way down to kindergarten. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, Due to budgets and everything else, we've since lost that. But we just recently, a couple of years back, started one-on-one devices. So every one of our kids has a mobile device. And, and we had gotten together as a staff, and we said, the one thing that we really miss is when our kids had a foreign language. Not only did it bring them into the idea of learning a different language, but the cultural aspect of it and all of those wonderful things that were sort of wrapped up in our foreign language classes. Uh, so we have started what we call Eagle Rewards. And uh, every month, uh, students are working on um, programs in foreign language to earn reward points. And through those points, we have different challenges pretty much every month, every other month. So the top 25 uh, reward winners that month might be able to play a four-square challenge or different things like that. And um, it has really been a benefit. I've got fourth graders um, this year that have already – completed uh, one entire language in the course and have actually started tiptoeing into a, into a second language. Um, so uh, for administrators that are out there saying, you know, good luck with you type of thing, uh, this is absolutely doable. Um, and it's, it's not hard and it doesn't put a lot of strain on your teachers. I actually run it from my computer here. Uh, I put it out to all, to all the kids. They get on the device. They work on it. As they see fit, once a month I go on, look at, look at the top kids that have got the most points, and we go from there. Um, so uh, these type of technologies that we're talking about are not overcomplicated, and don't, don't shush them away all because it sounds like it's something that's hard, because it absolutely is not. Right, go ahead, absolutely. Anna. I don't want to interrupt, but I think it's an important point to make that everything we're talking about here is absolutely doable. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, there's an entire science to back this up. You know, in in linguistic terms, uh, in linguistics, we call this CALL, C-A-L-L, Computer Assisted Language Learning. And there are studies that indicate that in second language education, CALL approaches, so using or incorporating technology in language instruction, can even be slightly more effective than traditional face-to-face learning environments. 
You know, oh, that's wow. promising. That should yeah. encourage every educator to incorporate more of this. And today, technology is so personalized and so portable, it really lends itself well to uses in the classroom. You know, students, more advanced students on the junior high or high school level may read text um, in a foreign language on the subject of the day, or they may use a mobile app to practice vocabulary or to turn that into a game, um, or use communicative tools that focus on teaching authentic content that students can really apply in real life, even outside of the classroom or right away in the classroom. You know, there are so many different ways in which technology like this is already being used um, and, and in which educators are embracing this that it really should encourage everyone. And we at Mango are encouraged by this as well, you know. Mango wasn't initially designed as a classroom instruction tool. That wasn't the initial purpose. But over time, we started recognizing the value that this could bring to teachers in a classroom environment. So we made it available, made our courses available as a resource, um, and it's been gaining traction in the education community, which is obviously very exciting, right, because language education is something we're incredibly passionate about. So we've right. learned a lot from working with educators, working with corporations, and just all different types of learners. And I'd love to share a little bit about that today, to, to share what we've learned, how we can incorporate that effectively in a classroom. Absolutely. Uh, let, me, uh, let me ask you a question, because uh, one thing that, that I've noticed, having sort of set up our, our own system here at our school, because we didn't have, quote-unquote, class time, uh, one of the big benefits we've seen is our kids taking this home. So, uh, you know, we're always looking to find ways to get to extend our day at school because you only have eight hours and there's so much we have to teach that one of the benefits of, of this mobile system that we're using uh, is the fact that the kids are taking it home and they're using it and they're enjoying it. Right. Um, so, so, you know, go into a little bit of detail that you were talking about with, uh, what you've learned, and maybe some of these challenges that uh, are, are going to face all of our world language instructors in the classroom. Yeah. So this is where you're getting ahead of me in this interview. Um, that's actually <laughs> a big, big, big benefit of using technology like this is it buys you time in the classroom. You know, you you can do the flipped classroom approach. But I'll talk a little bit about that later. Let's let's figure out what the challenges are, and and they are there. That's definitely true. Um, you know, we've, we've talked to many educators over the years at Mango, and we found that their struggles can probably be best summarized in three or four points. And I can go in, into detail about those. Um, yeah, the first one is not enough time. They definitely do not have enough time to do what they want to do. They don't have enough native speaker exposure or just enough speaking in classrooms. That's a big one. And students have anxiety, speaking anxiety. They don't like to talk out loud. And um, the fourth point being technology can be a barrier sometimes rather than a benefit. So if you'd like, um, let me go into a little bit of detail about the time. Um, that's actually yeah. that's an easy one. You know, the time, everyone knows this. Everyone Absolutely. in public education understands this challenge. Teachers have to work incredibly hard to meet the state and federal standards that are mandated, and they have a very short time to do that. They have to fit a lot into their sessions, and that actually reflects um, in how they structure their instructional time. It's, it's really affected by this. 
So going into number two, that's one of the the um, outcomes of not enough time is that there's not enough native speaker exposure in classrooms or just not enough speaking, period. Students don't get to speak often enough. They don't have enough listening and speaking interactions with a native speaker in that language because, you know, language instruction in traditional classrooms tends to focus much more on the writing, on the reading, than on the speaking and listening. Right. We, so we all me, know this if we've ever gone through that, right? Yeah, let, let me pause you right there because um, on a personal note, I have always, always wanted to learn a different language. And I've tried, and I've tried many different uh, technologies. Obviously, I'm very much into technology. If it comes out, including the original Rosetta Stones and everything else, you know, if it's out there, I've tried it. One mm-hmm. thing that, that, that has always always been what has sort of derailed me in my, my learning is the fact that it's really, really boring to talk to nobody. <laughs> that you end yep. up, you end up, and, and like the one I was using last year was called, uh, I'm sure a lot of people have heard of it, Duolingo. And mm-hmm. it, it gets to the point where it's like uh, it, you're just pushing a button. It, there's, no, there's no feeling of actually communicating. And then on top of that, the only thing I could communicate were probably about the apples and the pants because those are the only two <laughs> categories of words that I could ever get to. You know, I could ask I could ask if, if your mom was wearing pants, but beyond that, conversation was pretty limited. Um, right. and, I'm, and I'm anxious to see how you suggest us getting through that big barrier of just not having those type of language speakers around because eventually, yeah, it does get rather tedious to learn all this vocabulary but have no one to share it with. Yeah, and and honestly, even worse in classrooms when there is not technology that's being used for this, it's even worse because there isn't even that speaking. There isn't even the speaking to a device, which, you know, for an adult, that's great. We may do that, maybe not necessarily enjoy it, but some of us really do. Um, But for a student to get no speaking practice, is a very, very difficult thing. And even instructors realize that. And often instructors aren't native speakers themselves. And, you know, having no one to listen to with a native pronunciation and to hear those everyday expressions that are typical for a local, that's very important to get functional in a language. And that also contributes to that speaking anxiety, of course. If you never practice, not even with a device, you know, you never get to that point where you interact with someone. So if you have no exposure to native speakers, no practice, you get very, very nervous, you get, you're inhibited. In linguistic terms, we call this having a high effective filter. Um, you know, it's just this, this barrier to speaking in the real world that exists, and that's a real problem. Absolutely. I, I have a family over in Italy, and I know, you know, very, very minimal amount of Italian, but I don't even use what I do know because of that yeah. anxiety of, oh, they're going to think it's silly. You know, I haven't said these words since the last time I talked to them on the phone two months ago, you know, all of that. So I could completely relate to that idea of being anxious, even if you have the skill, being anxious to use it because it's such a rarity. We always hear people saying when they talk about foreign languages, immersion is the best way to learn. And I'm, I'm sure it is. You know, if I spent a year over in Italy, I'm sure I would come back quite fluent in Italian. But that's not realistic for a majority of our students. So right. how, do we, how do we create that 
simulated uh, immersion in a classroom, I guess, is our question, isn't it? Right, exactly. That's the point we're going to get to, how to simulate this well, so it's engaging, so it's fun, and so it's almost like the real thing, ultimately, because you're right, immersion isn't possible, it isn't doable for most people, and honestly, it's not even realistic um, as, a, as a good language learning tool, because it's, studies have shown that that's only effective at higher levels. Once you've reached a certain level of proficiency, um, you know, immersion takes you that extra step. It takes you all the way there. But when you're a beginner, immersion does nothing. And all you need to do is look at populations we have here in the U.S. We have a lot of yeah. Spanish speakers who have lived here for 20, 30 years and do not speak comprehensible sentences. Um, and on the other hand, you know, I myself personally, I'm bilingual. English is not my first language. It's my second language after growing up in Germany. And I went through those traditional classrooms. I'm a product of those myself. And I'm not saying that those are what got me here today with my uh, bilingual fluency. Right. But, you know, what it did do for me is get me to a fairly good proficiency level from fifth grade until 12th and then again throughout college. And then immersing yourself is what really pushes you that last bit of the way, you know. But that, again, that's not realistic for most students. That's not where we're going to get our junior high and high school students in the U.S. We, we already know this. So we need to work around it, you know. And, and, and I'm assuming that there's technology out there that's going to help us overcome these challenges. Would you be able yes. to speak on that for us? Give us, give us the light at the end of the tunnel here. We, we talked about all the challenges. Yes. <laughs> now we need to know, what are, what are we going to do to fix this? Help us out. Absolutely. Let's, let's figure out the ways that, you know, make it work for us, not against us. Um, so the instructional time you already mentioned, that's a big one. You know, here when you have technology, something like a, a really well-designed, thorough, in-depth language learning program, that can create what many educators already know as a flipped classroom. You can flip the classroom, so you assign specific learning tasks as homework or a self-study, and that makes flexible um, time allowances for students. They can use it anytime and anywhere. And it then lets instructors apply these new concepts that the students studied in class the next day through guided practice or deep dives into certain aspects, whatever they wish. But it gives teachers more time to do those exciting and engaging things they all crave. You know, and if it's done well with the right programs and then the right settings, this can almost double your instructional time as an educator. It's a very valuable tool. So, you know, that's just the time aspect. And I think the time is really what plays a role in the other aspects as well. The, the not yeah. enough speaking, the anxiety, you know. If you don't have native speakers to practice with, of course, the logical conclusion is you need to look to technology to fill that gap for you, to add that aspect to your instruction. And ideally, those materials should be presented in small bits, you know, not jumping right into something big like an entire video clip or a podcast in that language, because that's how it's often done in classrooms, and that's very overwhelming. But if you start with something that's digestible, small bits of authentic audio at a time, you get students speaking at least in smaller increments faster, and they at least have that exposure to native speaker pronunciation. 
And that actually helps right. with the anxiety as well. You know, when students oh, get yeah. that opportunity to casually interact with something that's uh, less, let's say, less threatening than a human, like an app, because, you know, sure. let's face it, technology is less threatening for this generation oh, yeah. than human interaction. <laughs> that's just yeah. the truth. Um, but when they have this, this, this kind of easy counterpart, you know, then they're much more likely to then actually produce the sounds they're supposed to, and from the sounds, then the words, and then the phrases, and all of those build the building blocks that lead to solid speech and to whole conversations. You know, like Mango, I'm taking Mango's courses as an example, where uh, each slide that's introduced encourages the learner to repeat what they're shown, to repeat out loud the quiz responses, even if it's just to themselves, even just talking to their mobile device. You can Absolutely. see how technology can be that perfect transition from not speaking at all out loud or maybe just very little to right. producing you know, that cohesive speech little by little from a word to a phrase to a longer sentence to ultimately that entire conversation. That's what you're looking for. Very cool. Okay, we're going to take one minute here, folks, those of you that are uh, listening, and we're going to uh, – we have a pub two public service announcements. It'll be in under one minute, and then we're going to be back with Anya Green, Content Development Manager at Mango Languages. Uh, Anya, do you have a minute to hang with us? Absolutely. All right, we'll see you in one minute. Thank you. When I was little, I didn't talk for a long time. I was sensitive to lights and sounds, so I built secret hiding places where they couldn't get in. Sometimes I did the same things over and over, until one day I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at AutismSpeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Childhood hunger is a silent epidemic. One in five school children do not have enough to eat. School lunch programs help feed these kids. But when the school bell rings on Friday, many of these children have nothing to eat. Blessings in a Backpack provides two entrees, two breakfasts, and two snacks for children who would otherwise have no food and no hope. Go to blessingsinabackpack.org. Hello, everyone. This is David Franklin, one of the authors of Can Every School Succeed, inviting all of you to join the Bending Ed movement and pick up a copy of Can Every School Succeed through Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Follow us on Twitter at CanAllSucceed, and please join us every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for Bending Ed Chat. Thank you. Okay, we're back on the Council on the Future of Education radio show. Uh, if you get a chance, go to our website. It's edufuture.us. You can also find us on Twitter, which is at edufuture underscore US. Uh, the third Thursday of every month, at, I believe it's 8 p.m. Eastern, uh, we have our regular Twitter chat with the hashtag uh, edufuture, I believe, is, is the hashtag. Oh, edufuturechat is the hashtag we're using now. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Dr. Furman and my website, robfurman.com. We're here with Anya Green from Mango Languages. Uh, again, thank you so much, Anya, for taking your time to discuss this uh, really, in my opinion, a critical uh, component moving forward, uh, looking at the future of education, because uh, for some reason, we 
in education, we've taken a step backwards in a lot of things. I remember when I went through school, they used to tell us you had to have at least two years of a language or colleges wouldn't even consider you. And um, I don't hear that like I used to. And yet, yet our, our globe is becoming so much smaller due to technology that I would think the need for a foreign language, um, a second or even more, uh, should be uh, priority number one, I would think, with the amount of uh, businesses that are international now. Um, so, Anya, here, here's the big question, and I know you work for Mango, but there are a lot of technologies out there all doing these type of things. How does a teacher decide what type of technology is going to be the best for them in their classroom? Yeah. To, to be honest, it's probably not going to be just one, right? I think the right. best combination is probably a good, solid program with lots of content for the language or languages that you need, and I can talk about that a little bit more in a second. But the other aspect is just getting really creative and rethinking how teachers design their classes learning time. You know, there's so many positive ways in which, in which technology can be used today that if that's done right, it absolutely shifts the paradigm. And there are easy things to do where you just need Google, for example. You just need a website and the Internet, that's it. You know, you might, for example, put your students into a scenario, have them pretend to be, let's say, high school students preparing for a summer abroad in the country of their choice, speaking the target language, or exploring a college in that country or something like that. And then teachers can actually assign the use of technology, of the Internet, to, you know, fulfill certain requirements of this project. You know, you may have um, a unit on hotels and making reservations and those types of things. And then after that, you have your students go online and find actual accommodations. Find an Airbnb or a hotel in that city and then make a real reservation or an inquiry or, you know, after you learn, um, you teach your students how to give directions, how to understand directions, have them write that down in the target language for someone. Have, it, have them dictate it to someone how to get from place A to B in that country. Have them pull up a map and look it up and figure out the directions. You know, there are so many, so many things here that you can do where you don't even need to purchase a tool just to supplement it, just to make your lessons, your structures more engaging. So that's absolutely one of the steps that I think any teacher can apply today. And yeah, absolutely. then of course you can supplement that or really flip your classroom if you find a good program that um, can do half of the instruction for you or more than that. You know, there are lots of choices out there, you're right. Uh, but if I were to give advice on what to look for, I would say educators should look for something with a solid methodology, look for something that's been designed by industry experts, both in linguistics and in technology, because you want something that's intuitive to use, but also teaches the right things. Right. You, know, so you want authentic audio, that's very important, authentic text spoken by native speaker because that's one of the things we're looking to supplement we talked about that being a challenge so clear right. crisp audio nothing mechanically distorted high quality and something you'd hear every day on the streets of that country you know um yeah. you'll want interactive of course something that encourages students to speak to the device or others their partners 
um, repeat things out loud, interact with it, because that's then what lowers that effective filter, what reduces that anxiety to speak. And if it's engaging, of course, students will want to come back to it and keep studying. Um, and very important is the content. Um, the content that's in a program that you're looking for should be authentic, focus on authentic expressions that foster communication. And authentic here meaning, you know, it teaches you the types of things you would actually hear in that country by natives, not archaic language that's only used to read history books. Because if the goal right. of schools is to prepare students for the world, it needs to be today's world, not last <laughs> century's. You so know, that's very important. Can't forget that. And communication yep. it does the same thing. And uh, communication is important because this, this communicative approach has been proven to help students get conversational faster. So teaching them phrases they can apply immediately in conversation that are also much more likely to stick with them. You know, they may repeat them right away. They may parrot them for fun during recess with their classmate. Or if they're a heritage learner, they may, you know, use them to talk to their abuelita when they call, come home in the evening. So you, you find students then engaging immediately, wanting to act on what they learned, wanting to use what they learned. That's the key to engagement. One of the um, uh, teachers... One of my teachers that um, is really into this uh, also used uh, Skype. I'm sure you guys have heard yep. of uh, some people bringing in foreign language speakers via Skype to talk with the kids. And I thought that was a really cool way to sort of get some of that authentic experience. Uh, probably the biggest problem we ran into was time differences, <laughs> trying yeah. to figure out the time zones and everything else. But other than that, the kids loved it. So go ahead, yeah. give, me, give me some more here. This is great. Thank you. Give me some more. Okay, let's see. Um, something we found at Mango that works very well, especially for novice and intermediate learners, is having a program that teaches content in a paired approach. And when I say paired, I mean um, a phrase shown in the first language, so in the source language, and then also in the target language, the language a student is learning, and then contrasting that. Because that comparison is not only practical for the students as they're learning, as they're studying, because it compares all of the components of a phrase and shows the relationship between the words and all of those things, but that comparison also builds metalinguistic awareness. So the conscious awareness of the structure of a language as a system, that's very important in language learning. That's, that's a great skill to get. It's a great skill that helps you um, not just in your foreign language, it also helps you in your first language. And yeah. at Mango, just okay. to give you an example of how this may work, um, we use what we call semantic color mapping. So we show the different colors um, for each element of a phrase. We show the same color for the source element and the target element. So t the students can always compare, oh, this is that and that language. Uh, they may also see when something is absent. So maybe there isn't a translation for a certain word in that language. Or there's a phrase that can only be translated one way, uh, but literally it just means something completely different. So when students oh, wow. are picking it apart, figuring out those elements of the language, they're actually learning, okay, you know, this is the component in isolation. I'm learning the form. I'm learning how to pronounce them. But put together, all of it together means a completely different thing. And, of course, that's incredibly important in language learning. Um, yeah. 
something we do as well at Mango to to build that metalinguistic awareness is use special phonetic transcriptions because again it shows the differences between the sounds in my language and the language that I'm learning and it shows them in a way that the le- the learner understands so if you imagine um I'm an English speaker learning French. I need someone to explain to me how to make those sounds in the French language with sounds that I understand, that I already know. So right. it's never exact. It's an approximation usually, but it's one I can recognize. It's something I can work with. You know, we don't give you the, the IPA characters you may not know how to read. Um, we specifically give learners something they can understand, something they can relate to. And this attention to the form of a language is very important that, because it builds that understanding of these concepts just so much faster. Wow. Um, and if I were to add a bonus, there's a bonus. <laughs> if hey, I'm a language bonus. teacher on the hunt for a good program, just one that goes above and beyond, I would look for something that enriches students beyond just vocabulary, beyond just grammar structures, um, and teaches something in addition, culture, for example. Uh, everybody uh-huh. loves culture. You know, the, all those cultural tidbits, the do's and the don'ts, the, the hilarious and embarrassing things that may happen if you do something <laughs> wrong or say something the wrong way. People love that. Students love oh, that. Yeah. And, you know, the right culture information can add this layer to second language instructions that, that lights up your classroom and that sparks really deep conversation, which is always good for a classroom. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. Well, you gave me a lot to think about because I got to. Uh, I'm going to work through my rewards program here with my kids and their language, uh, the language rewards that we do. Because uh, sounds like we could do a lot more with you. Some fantastic ideas, um, Anna. If we only really have a couple minutes left here, if 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 you were an educator, which you are, and uh, you were listening to this podcast, and you said, okay. We just talked for about 30, 30, 35 minutes or so, but what's the one thing I really want that person listening to take away from this? What's the one meat and potatoes of the whole thing? What what would you say that is for you? I would say um, remain perceptive of your students' needs and of their ever-changing interactions with technology because it changes quickly. Sometimes we can't keep up as the adults, you know, so let them lead you. Let them share their perspectives and expertise when it comes to the latest tech. And then get creative. Um, lean on your students. Lean on other educators. Uh, consult organizations like ACTFL, which a lot of foreign language instructors are usually already part of. And then learn about new apps. Figure out games to use, tools to use something that's the right technology for you, the right methodology for you, and then incorporate that until you find your student's sweet spot. Uh, well said. I, I think one thing that you said that was particularly, uh, it really hit the point, especially for the Council on the Future of Education, is that we're teaching the kids uh, to be prepared for the world, but it has to be prepared for today's world, not not yesterday's world. I thought that was yeah. pretty impactful when you said that, and it's and it couldn't be uh, more true than what it is now. Um, you know, I, I think one of my other takeaways from this, and this is, I guess, self-serving because this is what I'm trying to do in my building, but you don't necessarily have to be 
the Spanish teacher or the French teacher to do these things. You should you could be incorporating this into any class, math, science, reading, English, ELA, whatever. You could be very well doubling back with this information. Just like you said, almost teach it in tandem at times because uh, we are a global society. And, and even though we may be teaching an ELA class, that doesn't mean we shouldn't be looking at all the other languages and cultures regardless. So uh, if you're not a foreign language teacher, I think this is maybe just as, if not more important, to be using these type of technologies that are out there, uh, again, because it's going to save you time to get some of this information that we know is going to be so important uh, to our students. Uh, Anya, you want to give us any information on how these people can contact you if need be? Absolutely. So if you're interested in learning more about Mango, learning about what one of our courses may look like or all of our courses, you can go to our website, mangolanguages.com. You can look at the different pages, the different things we have to offer. You can request a demo. You can request a meeting. And anyone can start learning for free with Mango. So you just go to the website and sign up for a free account. And from there, you can start exploring any of our over 70 languages. See if it does for you what you need. Explore. Reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Oh, thank you so much, Anya. I appreciate it. And thank you to Mango Languages uh, for giving us uh, some of your time here this afternoon. Uh, if any of you have anything that you need to get in contact with me for, rob at robfurman.com. Obviously, I've got a connection with Anya if you'd want to uh, if you need help getting in contact with them, uh, please feel free to reach out to me at mangolanguages.com as well, facebook.com backslash mangolanguages. Also, Twitter is at mangolanguages. Uh, again, thank you so much, Anya, for coming on with us here this, this afternoon. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Okay, so that about does it for the Council on the Future of Education radio show. My name is Rob Furman. You can find me on Twitter at Dr. Furman. Uh, thank you so much. If any of you are out there listening and would like to be a guest on our show, please feel free to reach out to me at my email address, rob at robfurman.com, and uh, we'll, we'll get you involved. And we're always looking for uh, new and exciting ideas. Again, the Council on the Future of Education radio shows on every Monday and Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Live, but you can find all of our podcasts on iTunes, Stitchers, Blog, Blog Talk Radio, and our website, edufuture. US. This is Rob Furman signing off. Thank you very much for listening. The Council on the Future of Education. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.